This is the Startup Pregnant Podcast, episode number seven. What does it take to start a company in the middle of a war-strewn country? For Natalia Quinones, she works with DUNA, Creativas Alternativas para la Paz, which means DUNA, Creative Alternatives to Peace. This is what they did. They sought to work with the radicals from the war and help them heal from some of the darkest moments of post-traumatic stress. Today, seven years after starting this organization, they have now taught hundreds of people yoga. And in some cases, the students have gone on to become yoga teachers themselves. I think there's a Quartz article about them that describes it well. They say, it's typical that your yoga teacher is an ex-banker or maybe even a former ballet teacher, but it's not so common that your yoga teacher is a former militant. That's a new story. So today we get to talk to Natalia Quinones about how the organization started and what she's learned throughout it all. In today's episode, we'll talk about the impressive research that backs what they're doing and how yoga work has been an incredible change in people with PTSD. We also ask her about her parenting journey alongside starting this company. She actually has a journey that was illegal in her country, and she talks about how she went through it. And lastly, one of the things we cover that is just such an incredible story is this idea of the capacity for change, both through watching people go through her program and in raising her own kid. She said she is no longer surprised. It did used to surprise her, but she's no longer surprised how quickly and how much people can change in such a short time if given the tools and the resources. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Life can be really unpredictable, especially when you're getting ready to add a baby to your life. The sponsor of this episode, Aeroflow Breast Pumps, is dedicated to making the hassle of getting your breast pump a little bit easier. Actually, a lot easier. Head to aeroflowbreastpumps.com slash startup to have them help you qualify for a free breast pump through insurance. And stick around because at the end of this episode, I'll walk you through how it works and tell you a little bit more of how Aeroflow breast pumps can save you so much time. As always, hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a minute to leave us a review, we would love that. If you need any of the show notes from the show, head to startuppregnant.com. All right, let's get started. I would love for you just to start by telling us your story. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? And where do you live now? Sure. My name is Natalia Quinones. I'm originally from Bogota, Colombia. And I grew up here in Bogota in a privileged family. I went to a private bilingual school, which is why I can actually speak English. I had a lot of nice things growing up. I grew up in a very large house in the country, and I was pretty much isolated from everything that was going on around me in my country. You know, my school was taught by American teachers, and we would celebrate AIDS Day, and we would protest against uh, people using kangaroo skin to make hats, but we had no idea that there were people killing each other 
just around the corner. <laughs> this is, you know, the reality that many children, privileged children in Colombia face because schools and families try to shield them from the violence and the realities of, of the armed conflict that is now ending. So I grew up in a very shielded environment, very privileged environment. And then I came out of school and I realized that I lived in a very violent country where inequality was just <laughs> the rule. And and there were people fighting about it and killing each other about it. And I realized that I hadn't really understood or been in contact with any of that before and that really something had to be done about it. That's why we started thinking of ways that could, you know, help us come in contact with our reality and, and put in practice things that that could help us make it better, you know, because in the end, when you're born in a certain place, it has to be for a reason. And you, I believe we all have an obligation to make it better than it was when we came. So, so I'm from Bogota, Colombia, and I am really trying to make Bogota and Colombia in general a better place than it was when I was born here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Natalia grew up in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia, and she was born and lived in a time when they were undergoing one of the greatest wars and conflicts that the country has seen. I asked her to tell me a little bit more about Duna, the organization she works with, and how she got started on this path in the first place. Duna is an organization that brings yoga to people who have had severe post-traumatic stress symptoms, people who can't even get up and go to work, they cannot drive a car, they can't go to sleep at night, they have been separated from their families because of what they have been through. Oftentimes, they've been through such extreme war situations and just the worst of humanity that even medication and talk therapy only take them so far. So I wanted to ask her, how did you get involved in this? And and where did your path towards yoga start? The thing that had helped me the most in, you know, evolving and coping with living in such a violent environment and and with, you know, the difficulties of in life in general had been yoga. I started doing yoga when my favorite person in the world got cancer and his doctor prescribed yoga, mostly for the pain because there was nothing they could do by then. It really helped me in the transition, you know, of accepting the cycles of life and death and and dealing with, with a very significant loss for me at that time. I figured, you know, all these people here have suffered these huge losses and uh, the Colombian government is focused on giving them a little bit of money and maybe eventually some land. But there's really not a huge investment or even attention on what should be done with the people that have suffered losses or that have suffered the effects of trauma in general, because it's not just losing someone, it's also having to fight for an army when you're 14 <laughs> or watching your your mom being assaulted by some men you know it's 
so many different types of trauma that people have lived in the last 50 years here. And money doesn't really heal yeah. the trauma. We decided, you know, this has helped us. Maria Alaida also recovered from cancer. Yoga helped her a lot with that. And, you know, it's it's been a path for us to to heal and to evolve and and to become better persons in general. So we realized that this could really be a tool that could be helpful to anyone. So Duna was started by Maria Adelaida Lopez. And I'll tell you a little bit about what they do. Been an organization that has taught yoga to the poor, mostly rural victims of Colombia's half-century conflict, as well as to the guerrilla fighters who were part of the terrorization of the Colombian landscape. At this point, the organization has been around for almost seven years, and they have taught hundreds of ex-militants these yoga concepts. What's been startling and so remarkable about this program is that they've also been heavily invested in research and studying the effectiveness of these intervention programs. And what they did is they studied folks who took two one-hour classes every week for at least four months. And those results were pretty extraordinary. They showed a 48.5% decrease in the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, known as PTSD. That's almost half. The results were that people who are in the program cut their PTSD symptoms in half by doing yoga twice a week. But one thing that's always important to remember is that what happened today even though we take it for granted now, isn't the way that things have always been. And so seven years ago when they started the organization, Natalia talks about how yoga was actually somewhat elitist and it was only available in the country for the wealthy women and how their organization looked to change that. It wasn't really being used for its true potential that is healing the soul and rebuilding communities in general. So that's when we decided that Duna could help Colombia in the path to healing. And this was 2010 when we were still at war with the FARC. That's the biggest rebel army and oldest in, in Latin America. And they just signed a peace agreement last November. But back then, in 2010, we had had the paramilitaries, who were another illegal armed group, who had just demobilized after some peace talks with the former president. So we decided, you know, it, now is the time, <laughs> no better time than now. Yoga also has a, the very nice advantage of being a very easy practice to implement anywhere. So we decided to take yoga to wherever violence had been the most harsh. Next, I asked Natalia to tell me a little bit about the type of yoga that she practiced and what it means to bring yoga to this community and to people who had never experienced yoga before. So here you'll hear her talk about her experience and background in yoga, as well as the founder Maria Adelaida's experience in yoga as well. We both belonged to a tradition called Satyanand Yoga. It's a very 
you know, integral yoga tradition. It puts a lot of emphasis on meditation, breathing, and deep relaxation rather than just the postures and and being fit. (laughs) So we found that, you know, this kind of yoga would be very beneficial for people recovering from trauma because it also helped you to reconnect with your body. And all the literature said that the problem with trauma is that it stays in your body. And traditional solutions are aimed at just the mind, healing the mind. So even if your mind is experiencing a healing process, the physical consequences of trauma in your nervous system remain. And this specific kind of yoga that we were trained to do since my favorite person died of cancer, this kind of yoga is actually meant to rewire your central nervous system and to trigger your relaxation response when your fight-or-flight responses has been broken because of trauma. So we found that, you know, just continuing to do the yoga that we had been doing for so many years would actually be the perfect way to engage these people in in the path to recovery. So one of the things that's so fascinating about this organization is that they are going into lots of different regions and bringing yoga to these regions, but also taking the perspective that instead of the government or psychologists or somebody on the outside serving to, quote, fix you, yoga is a tool that you can give to people and they can keep that tool and use that tool over and over again. Listen to her talk about how that works. When we knew that we were going to be working with reintegrated persons, we came to each of the regions and tried to recruit local people Because our idea has always been to give the people the tools that they need to empower them to be able to be in charge of their own healing, you know, because up to now, the government will give you a psychologist eight hours. The psychologist comes from Bogota or from, from a very large city. She sees you for an hour and then leaves. And it's always you as a trauma survivor depending on someone else to be able to heal yourself. And we thought it was very, very important to have people understand that they could heal themselves without the need of depending on anyone who was, again, not even present in the regions where the violence had been the most harsh. At this point in the interview, Natalia and I start talking about some of the students' stories and the experience that people go through in their recovery, in their in their walk towards yoga, in, in learning this. And one of the most remarkable things that she shares is that several of the people who, of the hundreds of students that take these yoga classes, actually go on to become teachers. And what a remarkable journey it is that the teacher you have teaching you yoga could live such a different life before. So before we shift gears into asking her about her parenting story, she has one more thing that I thought that was so important to share, which was the idea that both sides of the conflict, in all conflicts, really, 
you don't actually see a huge difference between one side and another. So hear what she has to say about that. The same type of stories in all sides of the conflict, you know, the people who were in the killing side and the people who were in the pure victim side, they all share similar stories. And when they tell you about their stories, their eyes just look the same. <laughs> so these, you know, all these classifications of them being victims or victimaries in the law, and, and it happens a lot in a conflict, it just becomes so absurd when you get to see the stories of the people and get to know that you know, anyone could have been anyone, you know, anyone could have been a victim or a victim. It was just random that life took them one place or the other. I want to shift gears a little bit because we also, before we got on this podcast, we were chatting a little bit about your experience as a parent. Alongside all of this, starting this organization, working with incredible people in rehabilitation and bringing yoga to PTSD folks, you also became a parent. Can you tell us about your parenting journey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My parenting journey is not a very common one in Colombia, mainly because I'm gay. Back when we started talking about being parents, it was still illegal for us to adopt children. It's been a tough journey, but in the end, you know, we made it and we are now the proud parents of a four-year-old girl. She's a very, very nice and fantastic person who I'm sure will make Colombia better than it was when she was born. And I think, you know, it has also helped us to, to realize that there's lots of compassion and and goodness in people around you know we were very afraid when we were first parents because there's not many you know gay couples around in the supermarkets and the streets in Bogota so we were afraid of you know having people look at us or kick us out or say something nasty in the street but up to now we've had none of that you know we've had so many people being friendly to us being supportive helping us telling us that we're such a nice family and so I think you know it's also been very encouraging to find that that even if if you're afraid at first that something will be hard and, and parenting is always hard in a lot of ways but, you know, we were so afraid that in the end, everything turned out so much better than we expected in terms of people being very friendly to us and very understanding that in the end, we're just a family like anyone else, you know? Wow. That's such an incredibly brave story alongside what you're already doing with your organization. Can you talk a little bit about how parenting becoming a parent and adopting your kid, how that has changed you? Yeah, I think it's changed us immensely. You know, I don't think there are enough words to, to really describe the changes that, that happen when you become a parent. It's not just about the way you see the world. 
It's about the way your whole universe expands. So for us, you know, it wasn't an outburst and an expansion of love and of kindness and of time and patience that we never knew we had before. It also made us more committed to making the world better for future generations and to working with those future generations that will be in charge of the world when we're not here. And so we started in Duna working with children and also with teachers because we do believe that, you know, peace is not just about treating people that have been left with the consequences of war. It's also about preventing, you know, new conflicts from arising and about teaching children that they can resolve their differences in friendly ways that they've never seen before because all they've seen is the armed conflict and, you know, the reactions that we've all had around a culture of violence. So having Isabella has also helped us to engage with youths and children and teachers who are so key in building a future and ensuring that whatever the adults are working on will have lasting effects. The last question I want to ask you is about your morning routine. It's one of my favorite questions to ask people. What time do you and your family wake up? And what do you do first in the morning? And what's your schedule like? So I wake up at five so that I can do some yoga and exercising for half an hour. Then at 5.30, Isabella wakes up, we take a shower, we have breakfast together as a family, we talk about the school subjects that she has during the day, then she goes to school at 6.35, that's the bus picking her up. It's early. And then after, it's really early, her, her classes start at 7. But it's also very nice because it's in a very wild setting in the mountain so she gets to see you know the drips in the flowers of the dew and <laughs> things that you could never see later on in the day so we're okay with that and she's okay with waking up very early and it's also an ideal time to do yoga if you wake up very very early when the sun is rising so it creates much more connection and then after 6 30 we do some additional exercise and then go off to work. That's how our morning looks like. <laughs> mm. I love hearing different people's stories because it's so, I don't know, it's one of my favorite things to look inside the daily life of different people. So now I'm going to shift to what I call a lightning round of questions. And you can tell me in a word or an idea or a short sentence, whatever comes to mind for each of these questions. We'll start with entrepreneurship and business, and then we'll switch over to parenting. But first for business, what's the best part about running a business? People. What's the hardest part? People. <laughs> <laughs> What do you wish more people knew or understood about being an entrepreneur? I guess 
I guess compassion is something that is very lacking in the entrepreneurial world. And what surprised you when you first started on your business journey? Change, people's ability to change and transform and adapt. It surprised me. I thought it was so much harder and slower, but no, <laughs> it's quick and easy. <laughs> so for parenting, what's the best part about being a parent? Love. What's the hardest part about being a parent? I guess responsibility is the hardest part, just raising your kid to be better than you are. What do you wish more people knew about parenting? People who are not parents? Yeah. You know, I guess I wish they knew more about the time and devotion you really need to make someone better than you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, most people don't really understand why you need to be there so much. What surprised you in your own journey to becoming a parent? I think I already mentioned this to you, the kindness of people and the flexibility and acceptance of a new type of family in yeah. our very close conservative society. Thank you so much, Natalia, for taking the time and being so generous about sharing all of these stories. And thank you for the work that you bring into this world, because it is such beautiful, important work. Thank you for allowing us to share it, Sarah. It's really an honor. And obviously, feel free to connect, you know, on our website, www.duna with two ends, mm-hmm. .org. So that's a wrap and a huge thank you to Natalia for sharing the work that she does. I think it's always such an inspiration to get to talk to all of these entrepreneurs and hear about the organizations that are being built around the world. To find out more about Natalia's work, you can head to duna.org, D-U-N-N-A.org. And you can follow her on Facebook and on Twitter. We will link everything in the show notes. If you head to startuppregnant.com, click on podcast to get all of the latest episode show notes. We have everything in our show notes or you can follow the link inside of your app and get more about the show. As always, if you like it, hit subscribe and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. That really helps because it tells people that the podcast is something worth listening to. So head to startuppregnant.com to find out more about the show and hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, everyone. And we will see you on the next episode. I promised at the beginning of the episode to tell you a little bit more about the pumping journey and about how Aeroflow Breast Pumps works. They are the sponsor of this episode. So for all of you breastfeeding and pumping mamas, here is the info that you wanted. Aeroflow Breast Pumps makes the process of getting a breast pump covered through your insurance as easy as possible. They have dedicated and informed breast pump specialists to help you navigate insurance by taking care of the paperwork, the phone calls, and the prescription requests so that you can take it easy. They're available by phone, text, or email to answer any questions you have during this exciting time in your life. One of the trickiest things is the timing of everything. A lot of insurance plans only allow you to get a pump within 30 days of your due date. Let me tell you, figuring out when that baby is going to arrive and then getting everything done within these exact timeframes can be really hard. They take care of everything, including contacting your physician for a prescription, recommending the best breast pump options for you and your lifestyle, 
billing and processing those insurance claims, and shipping the breast pump to your door free of charge. The entire process is totally free. So if you want to work with them to get your breast pump, go to aeroflowbreastpumps.com slash startup, and they will get you started right away. Thanks for being a sponsor of Working Pumping Mamas, Aeroflow Breast Pumps. 